The text for this morning's sermon uh, comes from the 16th chapter of Luke's Gospel. I invite you to to read along with me, uh, whether from your Bible or, let's see, not that one today, uh, or it will be up here on the screens for us as well. Luke 16, and I'll begin reading at verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted and here you are in agony. And besides all this, there is a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. This parable is a study in contrasts. We, we have the rich man dressed in purple and fine linen, which is sort of a double emphasis of these symbols of status and wealth. He lived in luxury every day, no doubt surrounded by family, by friends, by those who would take care of his every need and fawn over his every request. And then you have Lazarus. He's outside the gate, begging, longing for the rich man's scraps and leftovers. He's not covered in fine clothes. He's covered in sores. His only companions were the dogs who would come and lick his wounds. But the rich man and Lazarus have one thing in common. Regardless of your status or stature or wealth or accomplishments, one day we're all going to die. Rich man and beggar alike. And at death, the contrasts continue, but now the roles are reversed. 
Much to his surprise, the rich man finds himself in torment, hot, thirsty, in agony. All his creature comforts are gone. No luxury, no life of ease. He finds himself alone and destitute and desperate. He probably anticipated many things as death approached, but not this, not what he expected at all. But you see, in the next couple of verses, the rich man tells us everything about who he really is that we really need to know. He looks up and sees Father Abraham with Lazarus the beggar in his embrace. And what does he do? He asks Abraham to send the beggar to relieve him of his thirst and torment. He asks the beggar to leave his reward to come and take care of his need. He still sees people as just someone to be used for his own comfort. So when Abraham denies his request, he still doesn't quite get it. He asks again that the beggar leave his comfort in Abraham's presence to go and to tell his five brothers of their fate. And again, the beggar is simply someone to do his bidding. We need to always be careful not to look at other people as if the only reason they exist is to take care of us. We know folks like that. Sometimes we are folks like that. I tell you, it's a little thing, but I have developed a habit over the last several years of trying whenever I'm checking out at a cash register to catch the name tag of the person that's providing me service. And I'll say their name and ask how their day is going. Or if we're at a restaurant and a server serves me, I'll make sure I get their name and I call them by their name just to recognize them as people, not as servants, but as people. It's so easy for us to see people as there for us with the thought never crossing our mind that we, we might be there for them. There's always that possibility. Now, the rich man did have a certain theological uh, justification uh, for his expectation that he would be blessed in the afterlife. There, there's a concept that develops in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, consistently repeated, blessing, uh, obedience brings blessing. Obedience brings blessing. So if, you're, if you are obedient, you'll be blessed. Scripture says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. 
Obedience brings blessing. But blessing doesn't always mean that you've been obedient. God's blessings don't always mean that you've been obedient. He missed the message. And folks, here's a critical point for us. It can be easy to pick and choose which parts of the Bible we want to listen to. Which verses we want to hold on to. Which verses are, are most important for us. He liked this part. But he missed the message of the prophet. What does God require of you, O man, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God? He missed the message saying that God blesses his children, not just for the sake of his children, but so that those children might be a conduit of blessing to others. He made the mistake of thinking that God blessed him because he deserved it. Folks, God doesn't bless us because we deserve it. If he did, we'd all be on empty. God loves us and blesses us because that's the very nature of God. Now, we might hear this parable as a warning to keep our priorities in order, to treat others with respect, to not take others or God for granted, to not become so comfortable with our own lives that we neglect the call to concern for others. If we focus on the rich man, that's one message that we find in this story. It's a, it's a cautionary tale. Or maybe, maybe we hear this story as a word of hope. Hope that our present hardships and challenges aren't going to go unnoticed by God, but that even if things seem pretty crummy right now, there will ultimately be future reward, that God will not neglect his children. That's if we hear the story from the perspective of Lazarus, the beggar. But as I kept reading through this parable this week, I began to wonder if the point of the parable doesn't come with these five unnamed brothers of the rich man. When their brother died, they should have realized, they should have realized from his death um, that wealth and all that goes with it mean nothing when death comes. But evidently they hadn't heard that point. They had heard the law and the prophets, but they hadn't listened. They hadn't learned. And their hearts had become so hardened that Abraham says in the parable, that even if someone came back from the dead, they wouldn't listen. 
Now, you remember a basic definition of a parable is an earthly story with a, a heavenly meaning. A parable is running on two tracks here. On, on one track, we have a story about a rich man and a beggar and about judgment. But on the other track, on the other track, we have a message about what's really important in life. It's no accident when Jesus says this, that even if someone from the dead goes to them, they will not repent. Who's he talking about here? He's talking about his impending death. That even if someone comes back from the dead, they still won't listen. They still won't believe. And from this perspective, we all need to be reminded that there's still time. That there's still time to change your mind. There's still time to change the direction of your life. There's still time to change the way you manage your resources. Let me back up there. There's still time to change the way you manage the resources that God has entrusted to you to manage. There's still time to change the way that you relate to others, especially those that we like to call the least of these. There is still time to change your heart and turn to God. That, that's what repentance means. When Jesus says, uh, unless someone, but even if someone from the dead goes to them, they will not repent. To repent simply means change. 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 There's still time. We've heard the law. We've heard the prophets. And now one who has been raised from the dead speaks yet again. There's still time. There's still time. Let's pray together. God, how we love you and thank you for your gracious love for us. God, help us to take stock of who we are and where we are and what we are and whose we are. Help us to inventory our blessings and with hearts of gratitude use those blessings to help others, not just help ourselves. God, help us to, to live always open to your spirit changing our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and our attitudes and our relationships. For we know the one who has risen from the dead. May his power 
live in us and through us. It's in his name that we pray.